0: time for coffee. I hope school is going well this semester or that work or your internship is getting you excited about the possibilities that are out there in the real world. And if you're a new listener, I'd love to know how you heard about the show and what you like and don't like and any suggestions you may have. You can tweet me at time the number four coffee, LLC, and let me know. And I also hope you're enjoying a delicious steaming mug of some fantastic caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is definitely someone to get excited about. Sarah Hilware is a social entrepreneur and a global communication strategist who serves as a consultant at the World Bank. She spent her career designing, implementing, and managing effective public affairs and behavior change campaigns with measurable public health, gender equality, educational, and environmental benefits. Sarah! Welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? (laughs) Thank you so much,
1: Andrea. It's so great to be with you and your listeners. Fantastic. So
0: let's jump right into the Time for Coffee espresso shot, Sarah. And my first shot is what entry-level jobs are available to young people who are eager to break into the field of communication specifically in international development? Yeah. So that's a great question
1: because there really are so many facets of the field of communications, right? So you can either be a communication specialist sort of at the corporate global level, but you can also work with governments and with countries to really help get the messages out there to the people who are benefiting from specific programs and projects. So there are really two kind of facets of communication and that's the way I see it. One is really at the global level where you're communicating to the general public, the people who you may need to gain their political buy-in to continue to support their government engaging in these programs or to continue supporting multilateral engagement in this program or international aid in general, right? So where's the money going? What are we doing with it? What are some of the stories from the ground? How are people benefiting from these interventions? And then the other side of it that I mentioned, which is more working with countries is really more about okay, what is this intervention and how is it going to benefit me? So I see those two fields as a little bit divergent because usually after a certain amount of time, people get to one or the other. But in terms of how you start, you can start in a few different ways. There are position titles that are you know, sometimes called communications analyst, sometimes called communications associate. You know, sometimes also, for example, in the World Bank, we have knowledge management associates or analysts. And so sometimes the title might look different, might say public affairs, it might say communications, might say knowledge management. But those are some of the key words to look out for when looking for these entry level positions that can position you to do one of those two paths that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. What about
0: skills? What do you look for in the people that you hire, Sarah?
1: Yeah, that's also a great question. You know, for me, I really look for someone who's able to take something that may sound a little bit wonky, may sound a little bit complex, and drill that down to make it digestible for people who may not be experts. Because I really think that that's the way that we need to head. This field is really making sure that everyone understands what exactly we're doing. And so people who are able to break things down into very simple, digestible messages, that's one. Number two, great writing skills. I can't emphasize Mm, enough how important it is to be able to write well. I actually got my first assignment at the World Bank because I was able to write. And I think if someone can communicate effectively on paper, that's so key. That's so critical. In this field, a lot of times you are producing annual reports. A lot of times you, the pain of communications (laughs) professionals around the world, but also you're really trying to tell real life stories. And so it's great to be able to produce products that can be disseminated amongst multiple audiences. And I would say the third and final kind of top 3 that I look for would also be adaptability so being able to in the international development sector you're working with people from all different backgrounds i mean i can't tell you you know how important it is to be able to be adaptable to various languages and cultures and styles of thinking but also different ideas because people have so many different experiences where in terms of where they've grown up and the different work cultures that they've worked in and so being able to understand where people are coming from and make them feel heard and listened to is really Critical in diplomacy and being able to get your message across because then you can be on the same page. So it's really important to travel, to study abroad, to make friends who are different than you because that's going to help in the workforce.
0: Such great advice. What about someone's major, Sarah? How much of a deciding factor is it to break into the field of communications and international development?
1: Well, my major, I actually started out, I wanted to be a physician. And then I was inspired after I went on a medical mission and uh, did international development work in Ecuador. And so I came back and immediately it was my junior year and I switched my major from biology and pre-med to global public health, which was a concentration within the international development discipline. So I studied international affairs. um, So my degree says international affairs with a global public health concentration, So for me, I mean, I could have gone a lot of different directions. I've seen people who work in my field who have international affairs degrees. Sometimes they have political science degrees sometimes they have degrees in political communication. Sometimes they have degrees in journalism. So really, I mean, I think major matters, but it really also matters what you do with it and how you tell that story after graduation.
0: Mm, Okay. What about a graduate school degree? Do you think it's something that's needed in order to be successful in this field?
1: I will put it this way. I think that sometimes it helps you get your foot in the door, but I would say that it's excellent to have. I wouldn't say that it's always necessary, depending on the kind of work that you're doing. Absolutely, international development, especially at the World Bank, you know, a lot of people say that you need a PhD if you want to be technical, right? So if you want to be a highly technical specialist, but there are people who are more international development generalists or economists, and they may have a master's degree, or they may have an advanced degree in international relations or diplomacy or political science or you know, public policy or what have you. And then there are people as well who are also a little bit more general, but they have a bachelor's degree and they've done professional trainings and they have a lot of work experience and they've really been able to tell their story very well to be able to get to where they are and do their jobs well. So it really depends on what you want to do. It depends on where you want to work. And it depends on what exactly you get your graduate degree in. Because for me, and I know some other folks who wanted to pursue graduate education, they were told that they needed to get their graduate degree in something more specific than what they did their undergraduate degree in, in order for it to be valuable in the marketplace. So I would say it's something where you got to take a lot of factors into consideration and you really need to know exactly what you want to do with that graduate degree before you get it
0: absolutely yeah because that's a heck of a lot of money to spend if you don't know what yeah, you're going to do
1: but also time the time oh, yeah. investment because sometimes people who go straight from undergrad to getting a graduate degree they're competing with people who have a few years of experience in the marketplace, in the workforce, and they only have that graduate degree and no work experience, especially if they haven't done internships or practicums or what have you. So it is something to take into
0: consideration. Absolutely. In fact, I just spoke to somebody else this week who was making a very similar point, Sarah, and that was whatever you think you may want to do, go out get some dirt under your fingernails, get some real-world experience, and who knows, you may change your mind. Exactly. So speaking of real-world experience, what (laughs) kind of life experiences do you think are most useful for someone who's starting out in this field?
1: Yeah. Like I said before, traveling, getting to know people from different places, really watching documentaries and opening your mind, reading. But also for me, what I do a lot when I travel, especially when I travel for work, is I try to actually get off the beaten path. A lot of people chastise folks at the World Bank and the UN and <laughs> other similar institutions for only staying in the capital when we travel. But I would say really try to get to experience the local culture and try to get to see exactly what life is like for people. So I'll give you an example. When I went to Ecuador, I came in through Quito, which is you know a major city, it's very well known. But the group I was with actually stayed in Rio Bamba, which is a couple of hours outside of Quito. But every day we went to a different indigenous community and we sat with them and we did workshops with them and we were invited into their homes. But through that, you see very nuanced things that actually may help you when you're designing projects and communicating projects. So, for example, there was a group that had built toilets, but those toilets weren't being used. And why weren't they being used? Because these rural communities didn't have anywhere to get toilet paper. (sighs) And so they're just very interesting and sometimes seemingly obvious things that happen on the ground that you may not necessarily recognize unless you actually make that effort and go that extra mile to go off the beaten path. And so I would say it's just super important to be curious. And it's super important to get your answer, as you just mentioned, as much as possible, because that's really going to make you a much better practitioner. And it's going to put you in a much better position to be able to solve the many challenges that we have in that we're facing ending
0: poverty. Such great advice, Sarah. I can tell you're so enthusiastic about your career and your profession. For you, what is the best part of being a global communicator?
1: Yeah, I mean, the best part for me is just knowing that sometimes in communication, just as I mentioned, if you remember earlier in the interview when I talked about those two kind of divergent paths, Sometimes when you're working on the global side of things, when you're running bigger programs that for example the program that I'm working on has 47 countries, and that's a lot of a lot of countries and so sometimes you get caught up in the weeds of things. You're not always seeing the people that you impact, and so those rare times that you actually do get to see them and you get to see, you know, the human side of what you're doing, I mean, that really keeps me going and being able to tell those stories from the field and meet those women, meet those families. I mean, for me, that is not to make me so enthusiastic, so energized to do the work that I do and be able to work 12 hours a day if necessary on something because I know that someone else's life will improve because of it.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. What about the flip side of all of that? What is the part of your current job that sucks the most?
1: Hmm, that's hard. (laughs) I really love my current job. You know, maybe one thing is just because everyone's on such different time schedules. (laughs) Sometimes you may have to be up at 6 a.m. for a call, or sometimes you may have to be up until 10 or 11 p.m. for a call to accommodate someone in a, a ministry in South Asia somewhere, right? So sometimes the timing and the scheduling things can be quite tough. And the other thing I would say is that it's very easy because I do love my work. It's very easy to get absorbed in my work and to kind of not be in a bubble of people who are globalists and think this way. And so I really kind of have to push myself to sometimes get out of that bubble and remember that there are so many people who don't share my perspective. So yeah, I would say maybe those are the two drawbacks is just really making sure that I'm able to kind of balance my life, balance my schedule, because there is a lot to do. But then also secondly, making sure that I'm kind of staying in touch with reality (laughs) (laughs)
0: for sure
1: i get that
0: (laughs) sarah what is the best career advice you've ever gotten
1: hmm i've gotten so much good career advice i mean i've sat down with so many different people over the years but i would say the best advice especially for your listeners who may be trying to figure out what it is they want to do or who may not really know the path to what they want to do don't close the door to opportunities keep your mind open keep your heart open and remember that your path may not be the same as someone else's path. So someone else may have done the traditional undergrad, graduate school, go get some very interlevel job and then stay in that career for a few years. And then they get, sometimes that's not always how it goes. Sometimes you may bounce around. Sometimes you may not find that you love the exact position that you're in or the exact organization that you're with. Or sometimes you may find that you like the work that you're doing in an organization that you never thought you might work for. Instead of an organization that you've always wanted to work for. Hmm. So just really keep your mind and your heart open and remember that not everything always
0: comes in a neat bow. Great. Sarah, what movies, if any, or works of fiction do you think accurately depict this profession?
1: Hmm. Okay. So there's actually a documentary. Well, it's a book, but there are also some documentary series around it. But Girl Rising it is excellent by. Cheryl Dewan, I believe her name is, and Nicholas Kristoff, and it's just incredible. So it follows the journeys of several women across several developing countries in the world, and it really kind of gets into the weeds of what they've had to go through and the barriers that they've had to face. And it talks a little bit about the effect of various policies in developed nations and also in the international development sector and some of the programs and how it specifically impacted them in their lives, both negatively and positively. So I would say Girl Rising is something that every human being, regardless of, you know, whatever sector you're in, everyone should read and just be aware of. Quite inspiring. It's quite informative. And it's just very well done. And it's actually a
0: really good read. Great. So final espresso Shot, what would people be surprised to learn about being a communication strategist? Mm -hmm.
1: That's a good one. I think it's interesting. So as I mentioned with those two paths at the beginning, right? There are some people who they think of communications and they think of very kind of specific things. Some may think of, as I mentioned, the annual reports. Some may think of online communication strategies, you know, where they're thinking about social media and how to um, create influence in that way. But I think the surprising thing is that second path that I mentioned. A lot of people don't always think about the way that communications can be used in a beneficiary setting. And so I think sometimes that's surprising to people to learn that a lot of the work that I do actually entails working with implementing organizations and governments and people, beneficiaries, to actually promote behavior change campaigns, behavior change communications campaigns, I should say. And so I think for people who are kind of learning about this career, the possibilities are endless. So really kind of learn about the different types of things that you can do in the fields of communication.
0: Great. Sarah, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee with me and with the Java Junkie community today. Really appreciate you sharing all your great advice.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Andrea. And I really hope this was helpful. And I'm sure I'll be working for some of your listeners someday.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee. 24-7,